0: Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired. Learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now.
1: Good afternoon. And welcome to episode 33 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 W O I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if today is your first time tuning into the show, I just want to briefly share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, because what I know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that when you focus your life on being a servant leader and honoring God, blessings just naturally follow from that as a byproduct. So my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that exemplify that in their lives, because what I want to recommend to you is that when you see a need, we should fill a need because we are all ministers given a special gift by God. And that means that serving can be for everyone in any walk of life. And we've seen that demonstrated by countless guests over the past few months in the areas of military, business, faith, community, and family. And in our last episode, we heard from Dr. Glenn Bloomstrom and Dr. Van Strum, and they talked about this idea that God will open doors for you. And when he does, it will give you the opportunity to save lives. And so just a little bit about me. I had an opportunity a week or so ago to refinance my house. And through that, I was able to meet Minister Deborah Johnson. So she's going to be our first guest on the show today. She conducted prison ministry in the state, county, and federal prisons in New Jersey. She's also an advocate for special needs and youth and adults. And she's also the owner of DCJ Notary. I also have an opportunity to interact with a lot of people uh, in phone calls to may work with the American Bible Society. So my second guest today will be chaplain Judy Bratton. She's the mentor, a chaplain for county jail for incarcerated women and the owner of Red Lettered Words. So I'm really excited to hear from today's guests and how they are servant leaders in the community. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by minister Deborah Johnson. Stay with us, we'll
0: be right back. We're W-223-CO, Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation
1: on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Minister Deborah Johnson. Deborah, you on the line with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Hey, Deborah, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Sunday to be here on the show with me today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am humbled and I appreciate being um, asked to come on.
1: Well, Deborah, you know, when we met several weeks ago, uh, we talked about a lot of things. And as I learned more about you and read your bio, there's a lot of things about you that really intrigued me. Um, But one of the things that I thought was most compelling was your work with Hope Haven Outreach. So, uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you share a little bit about what that is and how you got started with it, and you know what that process was like?
2: Yes. Well, Hope Haven Outreach Ministry was um, it began or, or it originated when my husband and I was in between um, ministries, and we sought the Lord and asked, "What exactly is it that we should do?" And because we always have had people in our home, we were always compl- com- competing or completing outreach, loving on people, taking people in. Then the Lord allowed us and told us, listen, just extend it. And that's that's what you're going to do until I settle you somewhere else um, in another ministry. Whenever that would be. So we started Hope Haven and then we went out. We both love riding motorcycles. So we would go out to bike rallies and um, we wouldn't even do a whole lot of anything. Just set up a table, have Bibles, ask them if anyone would like prayer. We would pray for them, ask anyone if they would like to um, if they would like to if they would like to have prayer, if they would like a Bible or anything to that effect, then we just would do that. And it just became something second nature. We loved it. And then we would go out to community events. Um, Different family members would have church rallies. We would go, they had community events. We would, you know, rent a table, set up a table, um, just indicate prayer here, and we would pray with people if they wanted it, we would give Bibles. There will be times we would give clothing. There will be times we would give coffee or tea. And just to show the love of God that you didn't have to do anything. We don't want anything from you. We just want you to know we love you. Because so many people, I, I'm told that I love, I'm loved, but there are so many people that are not touched or loved. And that's yeah. what we want to do.
1: So what would you say is the mission of Hope Haven Outreach?
2: The mission of Hope Haven is basically um, the heartbeat of Hope Haven is to compassionately proclaim the love, hope and saving power of Jesus Christ. And that basically is what our mission is is to love, regardless of where a person is in their lifestyle, where a person is in that time of their lives. People need to be loved. They don't need to be judged. Um, they don't need to be questioned. Um, there's times, even in the Bible, God just, Jesus just loved people. He didn't tell them, okay, you can't come into the church if you're, if your hair isn't right, if you're not dressed appropriately the way that we think, Um, that people should be dressed. Everyone has their own opinion. And that's not who Christ is. And that basically is what our mission is. And the vision is the heartbeat of Hope Haven is compassionately proclaiming the love, hope, and saving power of Jesus Christ and to let all people know that God is within reaching and beyond expectations.
1: Wow. I I love that. So you had previously mentioned your home. Is that a big part of what you do? Like, do you have people
2: living with you and staying with you? We do not so much right now, but we do. I have my auntie that's living with me. She's a senior. She's like 75, 76 and she's with us. And we love on her um, because she became a little older and, and after her husband died, she really didn't have anyone. So we said, come on, we'll love on you. And at one point in time in one of our previous homes, I think um, we had a brother-in-law who was on drugs and we helped him get clean. We had my husband's um, friend who was on the streets in Lakewood. We went and picked him up off the streets, got him home, helped get him clean, restored. He gave his life to Christ. He was an ex a Muslim, he devoted his life to Christ. He got a job. His credit became correct. He was able to get his license back. Um, my nephew stayed with us. At a, two nephews, actually, at another time, we had a niece. We had someone who was homeless. Um, we had another young lady who was going through abuse with her um, with her spouse, and we helped her. It got her into a domestic violence. Um, situation and got her help. That's just something just they come to us and we loved it.
1: So in the total time that you've been doing this so far, how many people would you say that you've ministered to?
2: To be perfectly honest with you, Reverend Paul, I can't even put a number on it. That was one thing. um, And it could be different. But one thing we, we did not keep a running number we said, if God if God sends the souls and brings them to us, then we're going to love on them, tell them about the love of God. If they want to offer up their life, hopefully become saved. But I don't know. It could be hundreds. I really don't know. I run into people, even on my full time job from like 20, 30 years ago, telling me, Miss Deb, if it wasn't for you, um, I don't even know if I would still be alive. If it wasn't for you. Um, I, I don't know what place I would be in. You showed me love when everyone else rejected me. So I'm going to be honest with you, Paul. That wasn't even something, Reverend Paul, I apologize. That wasn't something that we kept a track of.
1: Well, you so know I, what? I, I love that because it's not really about the quantity, right? Because Jesus left behind the 99 to go and save the one lost one.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I didn't tell you is our the the whole paper was started on that main scripture of Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that are humble in heart, and you will find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that 28 and so many people just don't even understand that if they just give it to God, you know, allow him. And of course, some people think it's a cliche, but I am a firm believer if it wasn't for the foundation of my mother, if it wasn't for her telling us, you should have to just surrender your life. Tell tell God. Yeah. Give him your heart. Give him your mind. Give him your soul. I don't know really where I would be. Um, I might be somewhere on some psychotic drugs because mentally I done lost it. But but Absolutely.
1: I love that. Well, let me ask you this. What blessings would you say that you have received from this ministry? You have clearly blessed, you know, said maybe hundreds of people. But what has God done to bless you through this effort, through your ministry?
2: God has blessed me in a way that I don't deserve none of it. I don't deserve His grace. I don't deserve His mercy. I don't deserve His love. And even when I'm wrong, um, He still loves me. He never threw me away as man would. He never put me out as man would. Um, he never disrespected me. Um, and and that happens. You can go into the to the you know the church thing walking in the door and you don't feel the love. Um, You have people people that have proclaimed that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and they love him and they're just mean as rattlesnakes. So what it has done for me was to let me know even when I was a mess, he still allowed me and used me to show his love through me even when I was messed up. Amen. Amen.
1: Would you say that there is a time that really sticks out to you of all the people that you've ministered to where God really showed up. Something that really just stuck in your heart is like, wow, I can't believe that this just happened and I got to be a part of that.
2: Um, yes, it was a time when I was on at my job and it was a young lady who actually, she was very very adversarial towards me. She wasn't pleasant, she wasn't nice. At all, to be honest. I would always speak and always say hello, and it was never reciprocated. But one day she was going through something at the job and in her family. And who did she come get? She came to me and fell in my arms and said, I need you. Can you please pray with me? I, I feel like I'm going to lose it. And what that taught me was even though someone wasn't pleasant to me, they wasn't showing that they knew who God was. They wasn't showing love. They didn't respect me. And I did nothing to them. I still show love and I was still showing compassion to that person. And I never gave them what they deserved. Just like God never, Christ never gave me what I deserved. And he still forgave me. And that young lady, I was able to help her not, she wanted to kill herself after what happened, what was happening in her family. And she did not. And we became friends after that. She said, I, I, I'm glad you were there. I'm, I, I thank you. And I apologize for treating you nasty because I just thought you were nasty, but you were the one who were there that helped me. And I'm glad that you were there. So that is something that stick out to me, that even though people are not always pleasant, Rev- Reverend Paul, that that doesn't mean you're supposed to act like them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I- I love how you said that. And, you know, it makes me think of some of the other ministry activities that uh, you had in your bio that you do. So you've also got a prison ministry going on and you do street evangelism. So you have all these different things that you're involved with. So like, what makes you have a heart to do all these different things?
2: Well, I believe it all started with my mother. Um, my mother was a praying woman. My mother was one of four children. Um, their their upbringing wasn't always easy, um, but she never showed it. Then she had us. And she cleaned and she would clean for someone. My mother became ill at a very young age. Um, so she couldn't work. I think I was three, four. She was carrying me. She fell. She broke her ankle in two spots and she became um, totally disabled. So how she would make money with be to clean people home. She did domestic work, ironing, cleaning, but that never stopped her from helping. That never stopped her from feeding people when they needed food. She can always go in the refrigerator or the freezer and bring something out. Every Sunday, we always had people around our table that we always fed. And that, I believe seeing my mother serve and love on people was the catalyst for me. And I just carried it over. And and it gave me a heart of loving the underdog. It gave me a heart of loving those that people would throw away. It gave me the heart of loving those who look different than you. Their color is different than you. Their hair is different than you. They talk different than you you do, but you still love them. And to this day, I can go in a room and immediately I'm just drawn to the person that is having a hard time. On the outside, they look real good. They look stunning, but I can connect to their heart for whatever the reason God has given me that gift. I can pick up on it. And there's times I'm like, can I give you a hug? And they just look at me. I said, I don't want nothing. Can I just hug you? You look like you need a hug. And that hug will just erase and, and just comfort them. And that's all. And they will cry a lot of time men too. And that's all it was. It was nothing. It was no quid pro quo. I give you a hug. You give me something. None of that is just the love of Christ is in me.
1: Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm also really curious. So, uh, you mentioned in your bio that you do ministry with your husband and also that you have four boys. So I wonder what the impact (laughs) is on your boys and you know, what impact, if any, your husband has had on you, or maybe you've had on him. How does your ministry, you know, really affect your family?
2: Well, my husband and I, my husband is the 15th child. Um, His his mother had seven kids. His father had seven kids. They got together and they had the 15th child. Wow. And so um, he was, he was the youngest. And there was a time that, um, As his dad became older, his mom died when he was young and he promised his mother that he would always look after his father. So when his father retired from his second job of 30 years, he came to live with us and he died. I think three years ago, he was 95. And because he was the youngest, I was the youngest, um, I'm 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 a people person, I'm um, boisterous. If I don't like something, I will say, and he was more laid back. So he has been able to help balance me. Instead of, there are times when I can go from zero to 100. He has been able to help me say, you need to tame that, come back, calm down. There's another way to address it. Um, I grew up in the in the city. And growing up in the inner city of Newark, New Jersey, you have, I have been exposed to almost everything. Um, prison ministry was something that I loved Why? because when you grow up and you see many of your family or friends have embarked on the prison, you take a different look at it. Um, even statistically, you look at the state of New Jersey. The state of New Jersey has... Twelve thousand eight hundred and eight people incarcerated. Com- that's men, women, and youth. And out of that 12,800, 7,772 people are black or brown. That's as of wow. January of twenty twenty-one, and wow. that and is huge. And it has taught me that if. That many of people that look like me is incarcerated. That doesn't mean that they're throwaways. That doesn't mean that they are hellions to the end, and there's no need for change. And there, can anything good come out of North? Can anything good come out of the correctional facility? Absolutely, and they need love. Wow! And that prompted me. Go
1: ahead. I love it. We've only got a minute or so left, but Deborah, I wanted to ask you just one last question. So, you know, you talk a lot about showing love and, you know, when you came to my house and we did the notary for the refinance, you certainly showed a lot of love to me and my family, but I wonder what advice might you give to someone that is looking for a way to serve others, but maybe they're really introverted and they're really hesitant or apprehensive about going up and giving somebody a hug or approaching somebody and they don't really know how to engage in those difficult circumstances, whether it be prison ministry or street ministry, or, you know, any of the things that you've talked about, what advice would you give to somebody like that? They, they want to do something. They want to give back, but they really just don't know where to get started because of their personality.
2: I believe if you have a niche and you, and you are a child of God, then he is going to allow you to know what your niche is and how you can be of help. It can be as little as a card. You might not be have a mouth like me or big personality to go up and talk to people, but you can write a note and just tell them, I want you to know that I love you or Christ loves you or um, you have a good day. Little things. It doesn't have to be big. If you're a note writer, you might be one that can sing then just drop somebody a little song and tell them, I just want you to know I love you. Anything that you do, what you can do, you stay in your lane. And if you seek God, I honestly believe that there's nothing that God won't do to give you within your way, within your own capacity, that it will, he will use you to your fullest. And fear, the word of God says, he's, he's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Amen. And and we can do that. I love it. Brenda, I want to
1: thank you so much for being on the program today. It has been a true honor and privilege to talk with you here today.
2: I want to thank you so much for seeing me. And I want to thank you for for allowing me into your home. And I want to thank you for asking me on your program, I Am The Humble. And I pray that your audience is blessed by the things how Christ has loved me and blessed me when I really didn't deserve it. And he'll do the same for them.
1: Thank you, Deborah.
2: You're quite welcome.
1: All right. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Chaplain Judy Bratton. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I worship you. I worship you.
0: You are here. Working in this place. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now back to Serving Our Nation.
1: And welcome back to Serving
0: Our Nation on News Talk
1: 1400 W O am your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Chaplain Judy Bratton. Judy, are you on the line?
3: I am. Thank you for having me. What an honor.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your Sunday to be on the show with me here today.
3: You're so welcome. I'm so thankful to be able to share what God has uh, put in my heart and my life with you and the others.
1: But, Judy, as I was reading your bio and your story, you know one of the things that really jumped out at me was your work and your passion for being a mentor. So if you don't mind, would you just share a little bit about your heart for mentorship and why you think that's important?
3: Sure. Um, I realized when I was a young adult that um, just being a participant at church uh, wasn't really as, wasn't fulfilling and it wasn't really changing me as uh, I had uh, expected my life would. I was a good person, but I really wasn't um, making any difference in any lives. In fact, one day, God kept speaking a word to me, and I had no idea it was him. I kept hearing this word over and over again for about a week, and I finally said it out loud, and the word was meaningless meaningless. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's in the Bible. And the Lord was pretty much speaking to me saying, your life is meaningless. I have given you gifts and you are not using them for my glory. So I had a heart. Wow. I know, right? Boy, that was a tough word for me to take for my first word from him ever. Seriously? Right. (laughs) Thank goodness he gives me a new word every year. And the next word I got the following year, the next word was chosen, and that was much better. So um, I I had a heart uh, to encourage and help those people who were in the most difficult seasons of their life, which was incarceration.
1: Wow. And so, uh how. does the incarceration uh, you, you mentioned the mentorship a lot. how do you tie those two together
3: well a lot of them do not really know the lord at all and they do not understand what he's trying to speak to them personally through his word as i didn't and so when i begin to understand how he speaks to us as he did with that word meaningless I began to share what he is saying and how we incorporate the truths in his word, such as in Matthew 14, when Peter was walking on the water, it says when he saw the wind, he became filled with fear and began to sink. And i never forget the Lord said to me. Can you see it? And I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't even know it was the Lord talking. And I I was like, can I see what? And so I started looking at that all over again. And I read every word slowly. And when I realized it was when he said, when Peter saw the wind and you put the question, can you see it with that? It, you can't see the wind, but what you can't see will cause you to begin to sink when you take your focus off the Lord. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I realized all these little amazing jewels are tucked in God's word for us to live out. And that's how I mentor these women is to help them understand how to locate those jewels and how to apply them to their own personal lives.
1: Wow. So you know I I've learned to never ask a woman their age or weight. But something I thought that was uh, funny when you put in your bio, uh, you said that you now feel like you are old enough and you have wisdom to impart. You said you're you actually like being, quote unquote, old and having that wisdom. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts with that.
3: Well, I always thought that you did have to be old to be wise. Um, I didn't realize to help mentor others, you just need to be one step in front of them to help lead them. And a lot of times they'll go in front of you with their um, passions that the Lord has given them even. So um, I I kept waiting to get old and I realized w- I didn't have to, but a lot of years were lost. And that's why I have such a heart to help these younger women realize you can have it now. You don't need to wait until you're an older person.
1: Wow, that is so powerful. So Now, in what you pour into all these women that are incarcerated and helping them understand that they can have it now, is there somebody that kind of poured into you as, you know, you were growing and maturing and, you know, maybe somebody that you admire and want to aspire to be like?
3: Um, the first person that I ever saw walking the Christian walk was my uh, housekeeper and my the child care giver for our youngest son her name's Ethel, and she would bring her Bible into my house and bring it to work with her every day, and when she was finished with the housework or the baby was napping, she would be reading her Bible, and I had never seen anyone do that before, and I was so amazed by that, because I'm always thinking the Bible was more like a piece of jewelry that you wear to church, because it wasn't alive to me, and Ethel brought it alive and i have always thanked her for her her determined devotion to the lord because it really inspired me to uh, see his word differently and to see that it's something that you carry with you not just to church
1: wow that is so powerful well you said you know she made it come alive and something i thought was really interesting as it was Read them more about you. Uh, you said that Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 is your life verse. Can you tell me why that is?
3: Well, at... The time God gave me a life verse for that uh, season was because it was to go and to preach the good news to those who are captive and to uh, bind up the brokenhearted. And he since changes those verses as my maturity changes. And right now, I love First Peter 5.10, where it says that after you have suffered, because believe me, these women who are incarcerated are suffering as they miss their children desperately and they're uh, families and um, their jobs and just their life that, that they knew they are suffering. And it says, uh, after you have suffered a little while, God himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And I love that it's God himself who restores us.
1: Well, What would you say is the most difficult thing that you've had to do in your prison ministry?
3: No doubt. It would comfort those who have just lost a family member. Um, I can remember one day I had a woman whose son uh, well, she was incarcerated and uh, her son had jumped off of a bridge, not realizing that the water below was too shallow and uh, he didn't survive that. And um, I can remember having to let her know that and how devastating that was. And that is so challenging. But I also will never forget what she said as we all joined hands in a circle to pray. She Spoke before I prayed, and she said, Each one of us will have a life changing event. The question is, where will we be when it happens? We've got to stop this life that has led us to incarceration and start living a life of freedom. Wow. Right.
1: So, when you talk about a life changing event, it makes me just wonder. I mean, with all the work that you've been doing with this prison ministry and mentoring and pouring into women, is, is there something that was a life changing event for you where God just really showed up? And, you know, it's, it's something that is always stuck in your heart and your mind is you know, a life changing time for you.
3: Um, I would say probably hearing him speak to me was a life changing event. I just never really realized that God actually does speak to us. In fact, whenever I would hear people say, and God told me to do something, I would just lift one eyebrow and go, really? Um, Because I had never heard him speak to me. So I thought that was unusual. Um, but he does speak to us. And I heard him speak to me about the verse where, can you see it? I heard him speak when my mother was taking her final breaths and he asked me, and I'm the youngest of all my sisters. He asked me to say the Lord's prayer. And so I did say it in my mind, but then he said, no, out loud, all of you. And I'm being the youngest and I knew I wasn't going to tell my sisters and my father what to do. So I wasn't interested in, in trying to coax them to saying the Lord's Prayer. But he said it again, and he was so determined, he said, all of you. And so I gathered up the courage, and I asked my family if we could say the Lord's Prayer. And as we entered the end of it, and it says, and thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever, my mother opened her eyes for the first time in three days and took her last breath to say, oh, oh man and that was her last breath and i was so comforted in knowing that the lord was right there with us during that difficult time and it was pretty life-changing to hear him speak to me through what i thought would be an inconsolable moment in my life wow
1: so judy you were uh, talking about how you receive- a word and how uh, God spoke to you and really encouraged you to have everybody praying, you know, with and for your mom in that instant. So yes. I'm curious how that translates to your business now, red letter words, and how you're able to serve people through that regard.
3: Oh, I, I love words. I've always loved words. I think there's such power in them. And that was even before I realized that John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word, right? And he is the word. And so um, I think words hold such power. Um, I've always treasured uh, Max Licato's uh, being a word master, how he can take the common words and turn them into something that is so powerful. Um, I, I I take a business name, Red-Lettered Words, and I named my business Red-Lettered Words um, Engraving because I buy Bibles that have the red letters of Christ in them for the women who are incarcerated. And I have the privilege to make my customer happy by engraving. In fact, I just engraved a soup ladle for a church because they're having their first ever chili cook-off. Um, And I then make the recipient is going to be really happy to get it. And then then the women are really happy to get um, the Bibles that they receive. Uh, So it's just a blessing all around to be able to have the skill and gift that God has given me to engrave so that I can then help put his word into the hands of those who are in most desperate need of it.
1: That is so wonderful. So, Jude, we have only about a minute or so left, but, you know, one of the things that really intrigues me, you have such enthusiasm for the Word of God, you know, in your work with the women that are incarcerated and the red letter words. So, I I wonder what advice you would give to people that are, you know, just ordinary, common women, you know, they may not be well-known, but you know, they have a place, like you were saying, all w- women, all people, they have value. Yes. What advice would you give to people that might be listening right now, people that might consider themselves, you know, use, use the word meaningless, right? God gave you that word, meaningless. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to somebody that thinks their life might be meaningless, but they want to turn it around? They want to do something that is good and valuable with their lives.
3: Paul, I think it is so fulfilling to pour into the lives of others. The last thing Christ did was wash his disciples feet and he said, as I'm serving you, you are to go and serve others and we can do that in so many ways by giving a stranger a hug if they'll allow it, by asking them if they would like a hug because the Lord put it on your heart to do that or to go and to help take care of a a neighbor who is struggling or to Uh, Even give a smile to somebody that looks like they're just downcast. I always realize that when I think a nice thought about somebody, I speak it to them because I know the Lord is the one who put it on my heart. We can write letters, Um, that's a lost art, but it's always such a joy to get a letter in the mail. Uh, God will give us a passion that he is calling us to do with the gifts that he has given us, it will just be attentive and listening carefully to what he is speaking for us to do. I believe every person can become an amazing example of his love for others if they're just willing to say yes like Samuel did.
1: Amen. Judy, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to be on the program to share your heart and really just to tell us about your ministry and all that you're doing for incarcerated women and churches and all the different people that you serve. It has been such a privilege to talk to you today.
3: Thank you, Paul. And it's a joy to have ever met you through the phone and the radio. And I pray his very best and continued blessings over you and those you love.
1: Thank you so much, Judy. Thank all right, when we, come, when we come back from the break, we're gonna reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired. Learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400
1: WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just talk about what we've heard from our guests. You know, I I could not have planned it any better. It was not uh, fixed. It was not anticipated. But these two ladies had so very much in common and such a similar message. I love how Minister Deborah Johnson, she talked about people just want to feel loved and used. And in her ministry, that is her primary goal is to just feel and give love and to show that love. And she said one of the most important things that she does is just to show compassion to other people and how she was able to receive that compassion and help other people know that they are loved by God, by others, and even just in something as simple as going and giving a hug. And she talked about how her mother was an inspiration and it doesn't really matter what your giftings are or what kind of personality you have. You can do something as simple as writing a card or singing a song. So I I love how she's able to engage in her community and give so much through Hope Haven outreach and the prison ministry and street evangelism. And she does that with her husband and she sets an example for her boys, just incredible work that she is doing. But then when you look at Chaplain Judy Bratton, there's also so much work that's going on there. And you look at her life and see how you can serve in your community as a chaplain. She works with incarcerated women and she ministers to them to make them understand that they are not meaningless, that their lives have value. And then she helps the churches through her work with the red litter words. Again, all of this, just helping people to know and understand the love of God. And I love what she talked about. One of the most powerful things that she did was just receiving that word. to let's take some time to pray the Lord's Prayer. And her mother's last breath was amen. Now, how powerful is that? That you can just engage in your community, engage in your faith, and just showing love to people. And, you know, Deborah and Judy, they never met each other, but they gave the same type of examples that you just use the gifts that God has naturally given to you, whether that be through a hug or through a conversation or a card or a letter, you're going to engage people in the way that God has given you gifts. So absolutely a blessing to have these two women on the program today. And I'm so thankful for what they shared and their story of their ministry. Listen, each week I briefly talk to you about when you put good into the universe, it comes back to you. So this week, I just want to briefly share a very heartwarming story, at least for me. Uh, this really warms my heart. So, And this is about my two kids. So this past week, I was on travel and for my job and I had a very long car ride home yesterday. It was about nine hours. And when I got done with that, um, I went and taught a class in the evening. And so it was about 1030 at night when I got home and I started the day at around 4 AM. And so that made for a very long day, a nine hour drive, a four hour class, a long day. And I came home and the lights were off and i thought everybody was in bed and my daughter came downstairs and greeted me so warmly and she says well daddy of course i want to come down and say hello to you and hug you because i've missed you and you've always been there for me and you're there for me when i need you and so i wanted to come and make you feel welcome because i missed you that that just so much touched my heart i i want to care and love for my daughter in the best way that i can And it really meant something to me when she was able to, just like Deborah and Judy were talking about, show love back to me. And the same type of thing happened with my son very recently. You know, I always talk to my son about how proud I am of him because those are not words that I heard from my father when I was growing up, but I wanna make sure that my kids hear those words. And so just very recently, my son was talking to me about how well he's been doing in his grades and he's showing me his budget and he's been doing so well in football and getting announced during the game and all things of this nature. And when I talk to him privately, he lets me know that a big part of the driving force of why he's working so hard is because he just wants me to be proud of him. He wants to make his dad proud. I can't tell you how much that warms my heart to have kids that love me so much to be able to come down and welcome you.